you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, football fans, to another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day with your Tuesday host, Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings and myself, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. On today's episode of Locked On NFL, how did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do it? How did they hold the NFL's most unstoppable offense to no touchdowns? We'll talk about the defensive performance of a lifetime for the Bucs that kept the Kansas City Chiefs out of the end zone on their way to a Super Bowl 55 win. Then we'll wrap up with our Tuesday Fantasy Forum as Marcus Mosher joins to talk LSU Tigers. Oh, I'm happy about that. What's Leonard Fournette's fantasy value after an impressive playoff run? Jamar Chase's best draft fit and how both he and Justin Jefferson compare in dynasty value. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. Joined as always on Tuesdays by Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL. And this is Locked On NFL. Luke, A big Super Bowl win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, but even David Harrison and James Yarko from over at Locked on Bucks have been giving credit elsewhere when it came to shutting down the most dominant offense in today's NFL. Can there be a small Super Bowl win? Like, oh, this is just a little one. This is a little Super Bowl win? I don't think so. I think think like every Super Bowl win is like a big Super Bowl win, right? Like, I wonder, like the 2018 one for Brady, like, is because it wasn't like this crazy (laughs) exciting game, you know, like the Atlanta one, like this big comeback. That's a big win. That's ah, 13 to three. Everybody kind of forgot about the game. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know if there's like (laughs) sizes of Super Bowl wins, but I do feel like there's like, it's not necessarily size, it's like weight, it's emotional weight. Yeah. Super Bowl wins. That's what it is. It's like the emotional integrity of a win. Is it large? Is it small? Is it this year? Is it last year? Yeah. What does that feel like? Here's the thing. It's a huge moment in the careers of a whole bunch of these Tampa Bay defenders because they had mm-hmm. the absolute month of their lives in this yeah. postseason. Carlton Davis shutting down Michael Thomas, shutting down Devontae Adams, and now shutting down a lot of, of Tyreek. I mean, he didn't shadow in this game. He shadowed in the last two games. Right. But in this game, Todd Bowles came out, and this is kind of, I, I think, the, the schematic strategy that he had was two deep safeties, keep everything in front of you, don't let, you know, Mecole Hardman go down the field one-on-one. Don't let Tyreek Hill down the field one-on-one. And make Patrick Mahomes, you know, read the field, play, spread, dink and dunk, be a West Coast quarterback, which I think takes away a lot of what makes Patrick Mahomes good. And then from there, it's a mano mano thing. Can Devin White, you know, do well? Can the, the defensive mm-hmm. line get uh, pressure with four? Can, you know, you cover underneath routes if you give Carlton Davis hey, you know, you have everything but a go. Can Carlton Davis Mm -hmm. pay that off? And and like Sean Murphy bunting and stuff. And the answer to all of those questions was yes. Yeah, basically you could point anywhere on the defense and people were winning. (laughs) It was was insane. It was an insane matchup. And these guys played up to uh, some really hefty competition. I want to stick in the the secondary for just a moment because these guys did a little bit of everything, right? They, Mm -hmm. they did great in terms of coverage, sharing coverage, communicating safeties did a wonderful job over the top, making sure that nobody was on necessarily one-on-one coverage, or at least they were doubling the most important 
uh, players on the field at all times. Tyreek Hill got a lot of attention by some safeties over the top to his side or watching him cross the field. They did a really good job with all that but and sharing those responsibilities. But we also saw them come in and be a part of blitz packages. We saw them uh, with a couple of double corner blitzes called up by Todd Bowles. We saw them step up and play well in the run game. And, and I'm certain that these guys had a lot of confidence coming in because they also knew that right in front of them were a pair of just phenomenal linebackers who also played absolutely out of their minds. Yeah, and that was really a, a, a tango of two, I guess. The, mm-hmm. the uh, Levante David and Devin White kind of being able to help out a lot of that stuff in the middle and kind of pay off what Vita Veo was doing, what Ndamukong Su was doing, um, and being able to kind of be in that gap. And the way the Bucks uh, play that requires those two to really, really be on the same page mm-hmm. and not only be able to, you know, shoot up, make the play, do the physical things that the position asks of you, but to also be in just perfect sync. And and really what you see, and this is like, I can't gush about Todd Bowles enough from the right. Super Bowl. This was such a well-coached defense working mm-hmm. in tandem. Because as well as Devin White and Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy, Murphy Bunting played and stuff, they're better straight-up talent players. Like, there is not a Jalen right. Ramsey on this team. There's not an, an right. Aaron Donald on this team. But they played like they're, they all were. And that's because right. they were working in such good conjunction together. And that falls on the coaching, which is why I think Todd Bowles deserves so much credit for the Super Bowl win. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, if we could give MVP to a coach... It would have been Todd Bowles. That's absolutely for certain. Um, You look at these linebackers, both of these linebackers, Levante David and Devin White that we're talking about, both of them targeted more than 10 times in the passing game. Levante David allowed eight catches. Devin White allowed seven. But really, if you take away the biggest Mm -hmm. catch from each of these, Devin White giving up a 33-yard catch, which, if I remember correctly, was a catch to uh, Travis Kelsey, kind of soft coverage prevent underneath. And this was was basically... end-of-the-game garbage time stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is basically what the... Kansas, excuse me, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks were willing to give them all game anyway was have the middle of the field, have underneath. You can have mm-hmm. it all you want. We're you don't not get your 70-yard touchdown, though. Right. We're not going to let you beat us deep. And, and so, like, the, you look at and you take away the two biggest completions, then all of a sudden the yards per reception allowed drops to below or right at 10 yards per uh, per reception, which is not bad for a pair of linebackers going up against one of the NFL or today's most explosive offense in the mm-hmm. NFL. I want to I want to add just a little bit of local context to this. The New Orleans Saints did uh, played a very similar style of defense against the Tampa, excuse me, against the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 15 this year. Drew Brees' first game back. However, as successful as they were producing uh, Patrick Mahomes' lowest completion percentage, uh, net yards per attempt uh, per, uh, average, they did very well. But the issue was that they didn't have the complementary play style that Tampa Bay's defense had over on the offensive sides where the offense scored in the first half or scored in the first quarter, scored two more touchdowns in the second quarter to go up by multiple scores before halftime. The Saints did not have that because their offense was just absolutely abysmal during the first half of that game. (laughs) And they also didn't have the talent, the level of linebacker play. So the scheme is there for Tampa Bay, but they also had the appropriate amount of talent and complementary game across all 50, you know, 40, whatever active players on that field in order to be able to get the job done. So shout out to a really cohesive uh, unit for this win. 
Yeah, and, and not to understate the challenge that the Kansas City Chiefs provide, too. That's Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes will extend plays. So when you're in right. coverage, even if you cover it right, you have to cover for a lot longer than is usually comfortable. And I think that just kind of puts more on the you know guys like Antoine Winfield Jr., rookie, guys like mm-hmm. Mike Ed- Edwards and Sean Murphy, Murphy Bunting and Jamal Dean. You know, these kind of – they're not household names. And right. not to say that they aren't plenty good. They're obviously plenty good players, and they played very, very well. But I think they were really, really playing out of their skulls and deserve a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Clearly, clearly, Antoine Winfield had a very good time yesterday. <laughs> yeah, he had a very, very <laughs> oh, yeah. good time on Sunday. He, just he like a kid out there, just having yeah, fun. Yeah, exactly. Having a good time. <laughs> we can all have our own fun, too. Even though football is over, there's still plenty of sports going on. There's college basketball. There's MMA, there's baseball, all sorts of stuff. If you still want to get your gamble on, if you made a little bit of money on some Super Bowl props and you want to go turn that around and start betting on some other sports, head on over to betonline.ag. That is the place that has you covered. You can sign up for a free account, betonline.ag, and when you sign up, use the promo code Locked On, all one word, you get a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. February is Black History Month, and I'm not just telling you that because it's me. I'm telling you that because the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and sacrifices of black men and women in sports in a series called the Locked On Presents More Than the Game series. I'm very excited about this. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports and in sports media. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on radio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So we talked a lot about coverage and and what Tampa did on the backside. Let's we got to show some love to the front seven in terms of what they did in, in getting pressure on Patrick Mahomes oh, yeah. as well because they were ridiculous during this game. Yeah, and I think if you want to go into Game Pass and watch the All-22 of this one, or even if you just watch the game again and just keep your eye on Vita Vea on every play, oh. that man is a gorilla. I, that that wasn't a person out there. That's like one of one of those like reality shows where you would have like a, a person play tug of war, like a sumo wrestler play tug of yes. war with like an orangutan, and it's just like very clear that people, like regular people, like human people, just don't stand a chance here. Yeah, <laughs> that that was the patchwork Chiefs offensive line against guys like Vita Vea and, and Damakong Su, just wrecking balls up the middle, and, and you just can't design a lot of concepts around the middle of the field getting absolutely destroyed like that Mm -hmm. yeah it was it was nuts i mean you look at every it felt like every single drop back that uh patrick Mahomes had he was under pressure it was not every single one but he was under pressure more times than he was not 31 dropbacks under pressure according to pro football focus only 25 clean no pressure during that time during the the 31 dropbacks that he was under pressure. He threw 26 passes, was sacked three times, and had a couple of throwaways, and uh, nine completed passes. That's it. Nine of 26 while under pressure. They affected him. They did what it was that makes it tough for this offense to be able to, uh, to be able to, 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 remain cohesive and and make plays and the coverage in the back end was able to hang around and make sure that those guys didn't just run free once they got into freelance mode 
Yeah, there's a physical feat to this as well, when, mm-hmm. especially with big old defensive linemen, big defensive tackles and stuff. When you play against Patrick Mahomes, you got to pursue because he's going to make you miss. He's going to run around, and that's what we saw. How many plays can you remember from this game where Patrick Mahomes was running around, gets all the way to the sideline, heaves up some impossible pass, and still, you know, the the secondary has to make. Uh, a right. pass breakup, win a contested catch. But that means all of those plays, guys like Vita Vea, I mean, they're going to be sucking wind. You ask any right. former defensive <laughs> tackle that's like willing to talk about it, those are the worst plays because you have right. to run around so much. You're like playing tag. And they are not built for that kind of cardio stamina. They're built for power mm-hmm. and explosion off the snap and stuff like that. And so to, to stick with your game that long and still be able to hold them touchdownless for the whole 60 minutes is right. a pretty incredible just physical feat of humanity and i think that might be the thing i'm most impressed about shaquille barrett was killing tackles all playoffs but there was something different about this one because it was so much harder yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and you know shaquille barrett of course does not lack for athleticism at all but still it's tough to chase patrick mahomes around in the backfield hurt toe or not it does not Mm -hmm. matter patrick mahomes laid down midair and still threw a pass 40 yards. That was the most insane. I can't stop thinking about that. That defies science. Man, there were (laughs) so many nearly legendary Super Bowl plays that left Patrick Mahomes' hands when they should not have been able to. And required so much skill to stop, and and the Bucs rose to the occasion every single time. Every time. You look at Shaquille Barrett, 10 pressures total in this game, went into double digits in a Super Bowl. Uh, seven more by Andamakan Sue, six more by Jason Pierre-Paul, five more by Vita Vea, four more by Steve McClendon. I don't even know who that is. I don't even know who Steve McClendon is. I'm just joking. But Anthony Nelson also (laughs) with a pair, Sean Murphy bunting with a pair, like these guys from the secondary and the second level, like everybody really getting involved here and just having a... uh, an outstanding game. We were joking around before we went live or before we started recording because Cam Gill was on the field for three plays and not only did he get a sack, but he also forced a fumble. You can literally just throw a dart when it comes to the names Mm -hmm. of the players on this defense and every single one had an outstanding game in some way or another. And a lot of that, again, I'm going to gush about Todd Bowles more because a lot of that comes from the creative blitz calls of, of Todd Bowles. This is what's going to keep Andy Reid up at night. And when Andy Reid came off of the field in his presser and he said, they got us. Yeah. This is a lot of what he was talking about. The, you know, play single high and keep everything in front of you. That's not a new trick. Everybody tries that right. against the Chiefs. But these blitz packages, they were sending double cornerback blitzes, mm-hmm. guys coming off the edge every which way, a lot of really creative and a lot of deeply, deeply risky stuff. This is yeah. not this is not a man playing scared. This is a man that knew he was the underdog in the Super Bowl. Not a huge underdog, but still the underdog in the Super Bowl. And and you know, you came to win it, not to lose it by less. And that is the kind of of, of mentality I think Todd Bowles brought to this game. And I think that that sort of creativity creates a lot of opportunities. You know, Sean Murphy bunting isn't beating tackles and pass protection. He's getting unblocked because the protection was wrong. And that's yeah. the, the whole point of the blitz design. And I, I think that kind of chess match angle of it set up all these players for success. Yeah, absolutely. Todd Bowles known very much for his pressure packages for blitzing, for putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks, and he definitely came through here. One more number that I'm going to throw out. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had 12 different players that notched at least one pressure in this game, <sighs> 12. Most teams get around 12 to 15 pressures total in a game. <laughs> yeah. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had three times more 
players with pressures than the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs had pressures, <laughs> period, yeah. in this game. And in that type of lopsided uh, affair, when your defense is cooking like that and your offense is remaining efficient, you have a quarterback that threw for under 200 yards but still threw three touchdowns and completed over 70% of his passes. You had a run game that was percolating and that was doing what it needed to do mm-hmm. as well. You had and everything. field position comp- help. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Special teams goes to show you how important special turnovers. teams is and turnovers and everything that was going on with it. So there was a lot here that complemented what this Tampa Bay Bucks defense did so well, but none of it works. None of it happens. None of it equates to a Super Bowl 55 win of this magnitude without the defense being the key sort of cornerstone behind it all. Yeah, and we've focused a lot on this side of the ball because I think this is where the astounding thing happened. You know, the Chiefs' mm-hmm. defense is fine, but Bucks putting up 31 on that, that's just they had a good game, like it works. Holding the Chiefs without a touchdown is astounding and deserves this kind of, of deep dive. Right. It was really a, a surprising outcome. And, you know, you don't always want surprises, especially when it comes to your car. At rockauto.com, there is a huge catalog of every part you could ever want for your car, all sorts of brands and models and stuff. Whatever your car is compatible with, they will have it. Just enter your make, your year, your model. Even if you don't know that, they'll help you out, and they'll make sure that you can find something that works with your car, so you don't have to worry about putting the wrong oil in or using the wrong size or shape of something, and you can make sure you can get what you need. And you can get it at a discount, too, because unlike brick-and-mortar auto shops, Rock Auto does not have separate prices for retail customers and, like, wholesale, you know, mechanics or whatever. So you're usually getting the better price from Rock Auto. So head on over to rockauto.com, and in the How You Heard About Us section, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you. rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson NFL show every single Monday through Friday. They're going to go through the national perspective all around the NFL, covering the latest news and insight of every game, team, and every move across the NFL. Go ahead and check them out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show wherever you get your podcasts. And we are here to wrap up today's episode of Locked on NFL with our usual Tuesday Fantasy Forum, we are joined once again by Marcus Mosher, host of Locked on Cowboys and Locked on Dynasty Football, part of the fantastic team over there. Marcus, thanks for taking the time to join us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, always excited to talk fantasy football. Yeah, man, so are we. We have a lot to go through all throughout this offseason, but let's take a look at the Super Bowl and one of the top performances Coming out of the Super Bowl, I thought one of the guys that looked like he could have potentially been the non-QB MVP version of this game, particularly over on the offensive side. Devontae David? (laughs) Particularly over on the offensive side, right? Over on the offensive side. Uh, Oh, okay. So not Carlton Davis. Not Carlton Davis. Former LSU Tiger, however, so obviously I've got a lot of love for him. Uh, Leonard Fournette, the running back, uh, just... Look, he gets an opportunity. He goes from somebody... I I think it was one of the commentators that said it. He went from the waiver wire to the Super Bowl this year, and now he's a Super Bowl champion. What does his fantasy outlook look like now after a pretty impressive postseason? Yeah, it's really fascinating because when Fournette was cut by the Jags and everybody had a chance to to claim him on waivers, he passed through waivers, ultimately signed with the Buccaneers. I think a lot of people were expecting him to immediately take that job in Tampa Bay, and that wasn't the case. Ronald Jones was the leading rusher on that team all season long, But when it got to the end of the year and when we got to the playoffs, it was Leonard Fournette who stepped up. In his last six games with the Buccaneers, 
579 yards and seven touchdowns, including 22 receptions in the four playoff games, 448 yards and four touchdowns. So absolutely incredible. Those are borderline RB one numbers. Now he is a free agent coming up Mm -hmm. in 2021. I think the Buccaneers would like to have him back, but I do think as of right now, as we stand, I think he's regained value at least as a boomer bust RB two. Playoff. I I find myself super skeptical of this because it's playoff Lenny. And I feel like, (laughs) listen, a a guy like Fournette, who is supposed to be this bell cow type, like that is Mm -hmm. his build is that he's supposed to be the guy that can take every carry on the team. And then he goes and he doesn't beat out Ronald Jones. And if he does go to a new team, I don't know if that team is going to bring him to be anything more than one half of a committee. So if I'm buying him, I'm buying him for that. Right. I think it's pretty unlikely that he goes anywhere and is an instant starter, right? So I think if you're buying him in Dynasty, it is with the belief that he will return back to Tampa Bay. Ronald Jones will be on the final year of his rookie contract. So is there a chance that this is Fournette's job for the next couple of years? I think so. Um, I just think with what we saw in the playoffs, I think that there's a chance that it carries over, over to next year. And again, I don't know where this happened, but Leonard Fournette turned into like this one of like this great pass catcher, like catching a bunch of passes from Tom Brady and being actually good at it. I don't know where this came from because he wasn't this way at LSU or early on in his career in Jacksonville, but he's, it's officially a thing. So I want to move to a different part of uh, the skill positions here, but I'm going to stick with the same LSU guys. I'm sure Ross will hate mm. that. Nah, dislike. Here, here's the thing. There's a couple of really interesting dynasty assets. One co- is coming out in the draft, and the other one obviously has a ton of value. That's the two LSU wide receivers, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. And we were talking pre-show a little bit about those two. And I guess their value relative to each other compared to how they did when they were on the same offense at LSU. Jamar Chase was like the guy and Justin Jefferson wasn't. But maybe that's flipped. Where where do you land on that? It's really interesting because I think now that we've seen Justin Jefferson in the NFL, we're seeing a two round gap in terms of startup traps between where Justin Jefferson is going and Jamar Chase. And I think that's just really fascinating Jamar Chase at 20 years old had 1,800 yards and 20 touchdowns in the SEC because he didn't play last year. I think people are kind of forgetting what kind of special talent he is. Yeah. Very, very similar to like an AJ Brown style of receiver that can win on the outside and win in the slot. I think Chase is going to be an absolute star in the NFL. However, I think Justin Jefferson is the better dynasty value. I I really do. I think he's the better dynasty receiver right now. There's only a handful of guys I would take over him. And that's crazy considering what we saw in 2019 at LSU. Do you think that that changes at all based upon where Jamar Chase lands and is selected in the draft? Well, let me, let me flip this back to you, Ross. What Mm -hmm. would be the most ideal landing spot for Jamar Chase inside the top 10? Because there's not a lot of great quarterback situations that he could potentially be going to, right? He could go to Philadelphia and play with the Eagles. Uh, He could go to the jets or the dolphins. I mean, what team inside the top 10 or top 12 would make him somebody right away that could produce wide receiver one numbers because I don't see it. And I love Jamar chase. Yeah. I think that it kind of, it's a tough one because the first place that of course comes to mind is, 
is Carolina, right? Going back to work with Joe Brady, Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator there, Joe Brady, while he Mm -hmm. was the uh, passing game coordinator at LSU, worked more closely with the wide receivers than he did with any quarterbacks. But then you have to solve the quarterback problem in Carolina. And the best way to solve the quarterback problem in Carolina is probably with that number eight pick, depending upon who's still on the board, right? They've already got weapons in DJ Moore, who had another fantastic season. They paid a bunch of money for... Uh, Robbie Anderson, who was really good. So it just mm-hmm. seems unlikely that, that they're going to spend another high, you know, asset on a receiver. Yeah. So maybe outside, out of the top 10, maybe the most advantageous landing spot for him in terms of a quarterback situation that's at least going to be solid for the next two seasons. Maybe the Detroit Lions, if they're looking for somebody mm, when Kenny Galladay goes away. I feel like I we're s- forgetting the MVP here. Well, I mean... Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, here's the thing. Will Aaron Rodgers still be there over the next two years? That affects the dynasty value and stuff like that. But even if Aaron Rodgers does depart Green Bay, they already have his heir apparent set up and learning under him. Oh, totally. So that is a situation if he does end up in Green Bay, and especially if, you know, people forgot about his draft value because he sat out a year, which I think is going to happen to a lot of these prospects. You're going to get some second rounders that should be first rounders. And if that happens and Green Bay ends up with Jamar Chase, I feel like that could be the exact thing we were all like really, really howling about with a whole bunch of uh, players like at the trade deadline and uh, last year in the draft, who was going to end up in Green Bay. That's the person kind of like when Michael Thomas ended up with the Saints. He was like the fifth receiver off the board, but immediately everybody knew, oh, that's the best fantasy value. Yeah, Yeah, I think if we're looking outside the top 10, that would be great. But within the top 10, it's a little bit more of a haphazard thing. Maybe I'll throw one more out there. I know they need to focus on offensive line, but you always going. pair them back up with Joe Burrow in yeah. Cincinnati. I don't know. Yeah. That, that to me, is the best landing spot for Jamar Chase in the first mm-hmm. round. Go to Cincinnati, allow him to play on the outside, maybe even moving him into the slot a little bit, pair him with T. Higgins. That's a really fun wide receiver core. Now, again, Cincinnati's got to figure out their offensive line issues first, but I think inside the top 10, top 12, that's my favorite landing spot. Yeah, and Zach Taylor could, you know, add a little bit more bootleg to it, some more outside zone stuff, kind of cover those problems up a little bit and be able to manufacture some deep shots and you can get at least some boomer bust value. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, you know what? That might be my new favorite draft fit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the more I think about it, that's really good. (laughs) No, no, Pinay Sewell should be the pick there at number five or at least one of those top tackles, right? Slater or Sewell, but if for whatever reason they decide to you know, risk it for the biscuit, as uh, as Bruce Arians would say. And uh, I would be all about Jamar Chase in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, if they can fix their offensive line problems and free agency, mm-hmm. maybe sign a veteran tackle, I think it, it certainly opens up the possibility. Cincinnati has other picks that they can use on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I think that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. All right, Marcus. Well, thank you so much for dropping by the Tuesday Fantasy Forum. We can, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I've got some spicy Alabama takes on their receivers the next time we chat, and I'm excited to talk about it. Are they going to be on, perhaps, the Locked On Dynasty Football Uh, Podcast? I think think that's a pretty good tease there, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Available wherever you find your favorite shows? (laughs) Absolutely. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those places. All right. Make sure you all go check that out. Marcus, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, we are officially in the off season. It's over. No more football until the 2021 season starts up, which means it's draft season. It's been draft season for some teams since like November. But if you January, 
<laughs> well, it was actually Christmas for my team. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to get yourself familiarized with the draft prospects now that it is that time of year, make sure you tune in to the Locked On NFL podcast tomorrow where Tony Wiggins and James Rapian will have an expert from the Locked On podcast network, all the draft people we have, Locked On NFL draft and so on. Make sure you come check it out. In the meantime, for Ross Jackson, the Locked On Saints, I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and we will see you all next time. Take care, everybody.